0: Good morning. Welcome on this very, very cold day, this cold February day. We are so glad that you are with us. For those of you that are here in the room, if you're worshiping with us online, welcome to you as well. And we understand why you are home today. My, my phone said it was negative 26 wind chill when I left this morning, so it was just brutal. I am so excited to be in this space and to be able to experience the warmth of the love of our God together this morning. If you are watching and worshiping with us online, I wanted to remind you that we have online hosts who are standing by throughout the whole service who would love to spend time in prayer with you, answer any questions you might have. So please click that request prayer button over on the right-hand side anytime throughout the service, during the singing, during the sermon, and you can ask questions, you can receive prayer, spend time connecting with another brother or sister in Christ who just wants to, um, to be with you and help you feel connected to this community. Well, our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 117. It says, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, and that word extol is this Hebrew term, Shabbat, which means to praise loudly. So we get this picture in this verse, praise the Lord, all nations, praise loudly, all peoples, this holy roar that is being created by all the people of God joining in worship together. And that's what we get to take part in this morning, joining our voices with believers around the world and the angels around the throne of heaven. We get to join in with that. It goes on, For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and worship our great God this morning.
1: Yes. God.
0: 153 through 4. For I deliver to you as a first important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is what we believe. Let's continue to worship this morning.
2: spirit.
0: together this morning. Father God, you are holy, holy, holy. You are merciful and mighty. I think a lot of times we like to err on one side or the other. We emphasize your might and your glory and your splendor and your wonder, or we emphasize your mercy and your love and your care and your nearness. But you don't ask us to choose one part of yourself. You are both holy and completely Father, thank you for the the privilege it is to come before you in worship this morning. We recognize in our own strength and our own abilities that we could not give a worthy offering to you. Our worship would be incomplete, unclean, impure. But because of Jesus Christ, because of his blood shed on the cross and his resurrection, we bring an offering to you and you see it as holy and good and beautiful. We pray that it is a sweet sound to your ears this morning. I pray for each one, whether in this room or worshiping from home on this Valentine's Day, for those who are feeling surrounded by the love of their family and their friends, or for those who are feeling extremely cut off and lonely. Holy Spirit, will you come near? Will you bring comfort? Will you bring confidence? Will you bring courage and conviction where it is needed? Holy Spirit, we need you. We rely on you. We depend on you to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have for us and your good and perfect and holy word this morning. All of this is for you. We pray this in the matchless name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may be seated.
3: My name is Alexis, and I'm going to share my story with you guys. Before I received Christ, I was a believer, but I wasn't really a follower, and I soon realized that just being a believer wasn't enough, and you need to truly follow Christ to enter the kingdom of heaven. Last June, I prayed to God, and I asked Him to forgive me of my sins, and I accepted Him as my Savior, and ever since then, I've been just totally different person than I was before because I realized that now I'm living my life for Christ and it's been the best feeling I've ever had. I've had some ups and downs along the way. Last July, my parents ended up separating and that was really hard on me, but I just knew that Jesus knew what he was doing and he helped me along the way. And I prayed to God and asked him to enter my life and help change me and help me realize what life I was missing out on and he introduced me to several people that have really made an impact in my life, one being my boyfriend who has helped me through this journey and been with me this whole time guiding me along the way. One of the positives is that my best friend, she has been along this journey with me as well also taking a journey of her own and I I'm so happy that I got to share this experience with her. I just want to share one verse with you guys, which is Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. It says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This verse relates to me because I prayed to God, and he was there for me and he showed me how to live and he's been here I mean it hasn't been what I expected every time but I always knew that he had the best interest for me and he knew what he was doing and I trusted him and that is why today I made the decision to get baptized
4: I just want to tell you all, um, last week Alexis filled out a connection card here and said I want to get baptized, Um, and it was one of the most pleasant phone conversations I've had with someone where I just, okay, so tell me about, and just, she just marched right through the gospel, Um, and so it was such an encouraging thing, and seeing just the way in the midst of,
5: in the midst of 2020, giving her life to the Lord, and, and just wanting to grow in her faith all year, it's just such an encouragement, and so Alexis... Are you
1: ready? Alexis, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do
5: you believe He died on the cross for your sins? And he rose again? And he is fully God and fully man? And you want to make him Savior Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. All right. Well are you ready? And I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son,
1: and Holy Spirit. So
4: Amen. Amen. Wasn't that exciting? We love to celebrate baptisms in Springbrook, and we are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're watching online with us this morning, we're glad you're with us as well. Um, You can say hello to one of the online guests that are with you now, or you can also fill out that online connection card. It's a great opportunity uh, for you to let us know that you are with us. Uh, You can just uh, fill that card out, give us as much information as you want to uh, to share with us. We can pray for you uh, there. And if you have any questions about our ministry, it's a great opportunity for you to ask them there as well you're in person with us, you've got, an online, you've got a connection card there in your seat, and so we just ask you to fill that out, your first and last name, the name of any adults that are with you. And if you have any questions about ministry, we're glad you're here with us. Uh, you can just uh, indicate your interest there uh, as well. If you do have any questions about baptism, we would love the opportunity to connect with you. I know a lot of times people will watch a baptism service, they have questions about baptism, or maybe they, they've never been baptized, they're kind of wanting to know a little bit more. Um, you can go to our website, springbrook.org slash baptism, and uh, we'll have information there for you about what baptism is. And uh, on this next slide, I think you'll actually see, uh, you'll have the link there. Yeah, so if you have any questions about baptism, uh, just go to that website link. If you haven't downloaded our app, um, you can do that as well. There's a link to baptism there. Uh, great information for you about what baptism is all about. It's an, it's an outward symbol of an inward commitment uh, to following Jesus. And So we'd love the opportunity to talk with you more about that. I also want to let you know that we have our starting point workshop coming up uh, next Wednesday. It's uh, Wednesday the 17th. It's going to start at 7 p.m. Uh, we'll be online. And so if you uh, want more information about Springbrook, it's an opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about our ministry, our vision, mission, values. It's an opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit more. Um, if you're interested in that, you can go to springbrook.org connect. You can sign up for that. Um, there might be a link uh, you can go up. Uh, if you're watching online, you can click a the link. There should be an online link for you to click there as well. Uh, we have a few spots open, but we'd love the opportunity to help you uh, to understand how you can be a part of what God's doing in and through um, our local body of Christ. And so if you have any questions about that, uh, please let us know. We have our annual meeting coming up next Sunday, uh, the 21st. Um, We're going to be celebrating God's faithfulness this past year. We're going to be looking at some of the exciting things that we're trusting God for as we move into the new year. And uh, as lead pastor, you know, my name is Richard. And as lead pastor this past year, I can tell you this has been a challenging year. Uh, It's been my first year. We're looking forward to what God's going to do in the second year. I feel like I'm getting a second shot at this. (laughs) And so, uh, but we're looking forward to all that God has for us. And if you want to know more about um, our ministry, join me for Starting Point. You can check out our annual meeting. Uh, if you haven't picked up your annual meeting packet, we have some available uh, for you out in the lobby. You can also download those from our website, uh, springbrook.org slash celebrate. It's also on the app. If you haven't downloaded the app, it's a great time to do that. All you have to do is text Springbrook app to 77977, and you'll get a link. You can download that from any of the devices that you might be using. It's a great opportunity for you to stay connected uh, to what God's doing in and through our ministry. We're glad you're with us this morning. We have a special treat in store for you. Um, Today, Pastor Joseph is going to be bringing uh, the teaching to us this morning. I'm really looking forward to uh, the message this morning, Joseph. Uh, Joseph has been here for uh, about two and a half years he came on to help us with our facilities and then moved into pastoral care. And then this year, as a part of our budget, we were able to expand uh, his role and responsibilities into pastoral care ministry. And so you are now officially full-time with us at Springbrook. And I tell you, it has been such a joy for me to get to be able to serve with you. Your love for God, your passion for his people and the local body of Christ has been an encouragement to me, and I know to our church family, and that we're looking forward to our message this morning. And happy birthday. It was yesterday, right? So yes. <laughs> happy birthday, my friend.
5: <laughs> I'm glad to be here, and we have such a great team that I work with. The pastors, the staff members, uh, they're a team of people, but you don't really see overlapping. Everybody's got individual different gifts. Everybody brings a piece of the puzzle and makes it work. And it's all a blessing of the Lord. I'm just so, so excited to be here. This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 14. And we're going to be reading in just a moment verses uh, 15 through 24. And uh, actually, didn't plan this, but it's kind of special uh, Yesterday was my birthday. Today is my mother's birthday. And my mom went to be with the Lord three years ago. It's probably the hardest funeral that I ever spoke at. But um, her favorite flower was a rose. And in setting up the PowerPoint, my wife was helping me, and she suggested something, and I thought about it this morning. And so it's a reminder of my mom. It was there for Valentine's Day, but it's a reminder of my mom. John chapter 14, it says, it's starting in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord God, I've worked on this message as I felt you directing. I pray for your blessing now. I pray that you will open our hearts. Help us to forget everything, the things earlier today, maybe the plans later today. And help us to take this time and to focus on you. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, today is Valentine's Day. It's a day that we normally associate with love, with romance, things along those lines. And time out. Let me take a moment. Uh, This is my disclaimer, okay? I was looking for pictures for this slideshow, and I was looking for pictures that would be appropriate. And I came across this picture, and I thought, I'm going to use this. Now, my disclaimer is this. That's my daughter and my son-in-law, okay? Now, I don't want you to think I was trying to play favorites or anything like that. I really chose the picture because I thought it fit in with what I was saying. And then I began to think about that, and I began to think, well, you know, maybe that's not right. And I'm having this battle in my mind, and I thought, well, no. We've had other people here at Springbrook that have shown pictures of their children and such. And I don't want to mention any names because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but... Um, There's a precedent here in Springbrook, so uh, that's my disclaimer. Going back to the message, oh, and let me also say, I want to thank Pastor Matt for allowing me to use that picture. He didn't know how he was going to use it, but I did tell him it was vitally important for the success of the message, and he said, okay, go for it. So as I was saying, it's Valentine's Day. It's a day that we think about the ideas of love and romance You hope to enter into a relationship and you want it to be a relationship that's going to last through all the years. In the course of a life, couple, young, gets married. They go through the changes and then in later years, when you see couples that are still married, there's a special blessing. Years ago, I knew a couple that had been married for 60 years. They had been together longer Than they hadn't been, and it was like 60 years. That was longer than my lifespan, and it was just really special. And that's what we think about when we think about a love relationship. There's this ideal, things that we want, things that we have hopes and dreams for. What do you expect in a relationship? We talk about boundaries and expectations. You get married. You stand before the man of God. And he says things like, will you love and honor and cherish? And then toward the end of it, he says, keeping yourself from all others as long as you both shall live. You get married, that's a commitment. That's part of the boundaries and the expectations. Now, that doesn't mean that you're there. You've got a lot of hard work ahead of you. But if you put in the time, You put in that hard work, it's going to be a blessing for you and your loved one. Sadly, not all relationships work that way, and not all relations will last. Oftentimes, we start out good, but think about this. Ladies, would you love to be married to a guy that treats you with a total lack of respect or lack of concern? Maybe somebody that cheats on you. Is that the dream that you have? Guys, how would you feel being married to a woman that treats you with a lack of respect? And maybe a time or two she's cheated on you. Of course not. Nobody wants that. Relationships must be guarded and respected. They must be nourished and protected. I heard a story once. An old man told me this story, and he thought it was the funniest thing ever. His wife said, she looked really sad, and he says, what's wrong? And she says, you never tell me that you love me. He says, I told you when we got married back in 1945, and I haven't changed my mind. Well, that's funny, but if you haven't, amen, ouch, if you haven't told your husband, your wife, that you love them a lot more recent than that, then you got some problems, Sometimes it's just that we're so busy. We start out with stars in our eyes and hopes and dreams. And then there's the drudge of daily life, the grind. You get up, you go to work, you pay the bills. Sometimes we get so busy that we forget that we're in love with that special one. And you know what? It's the same as our walk with the Lord. It's the same with our relationship with the Lord. We come to know Jesus, and I can remember those days and how excited I was. And then you grow in the Lord, and time goes by, and then it becomes old hat, and you forget. I love the Lord. It becomes routine. In this passage that we're looking at, Jesus explains the kind of relationship that is possible for us as believers and what it takes to get there. Are you interested? Would you like to know what he's talking about? Most of the time as believers, we live below the standards that our Father has for us. We live as if we're orphans. We live as if Jesus came down, he's God, he gave us a list of things to do, he left and we got this grocery list and someday we'll see him in heaven. But that's not what the Bible says that the Lord has for us. In the New Testament, the father loves us like a parent loves his children. The son loves the church like that bridegroom loves his bride. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses... That picture, beautiful bride, the bridegroom, to describe the Lord's relationship with us. And then you got the Holy Spirit. Well, it doesn't really give you a lot of information about how the Holy Spirit loves us. He's the guy that's in the background, and he's not trying to draw attention to himself. He's always pointing to Jesus. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, he just loves us, loves to be with us. Sometimes when people are singing or worshiping or they're praying and they say, wow, I really felt the presence of the Lord so strong. That's the Holy Spirit. So how do you type or how do you develop this type of relationship with the Lord? I remember as a young person, I'd feel the glory of the Lord and I think, what was I doing? I was praying. I'm going to pray because I want to feel that glory and there's nothing there. Well, I was reading my Bible, so I'm going to read my Bible. And there's nothing there. I was at church. We sang this song. It was that. And I sang the song, and it wasn't there. And I, Wow, I don't know. A few weeks later, there it is again. What was I doing? And I'm trying to duplicate the actions that I had because I wanted to duplicate that feeling of the presence of God. How do you develop a love relationship with the Lord? The key is this. First and foremost, You have to want it. Now people say, well, of course I want it. You look at couples that have been married for years and it's kind of gotten routine and they rub each other wrong and whatever. You ask them, would you like to have this? Oh, yeah, of course I would. But it's more than just, yeah, I want it. It's got to be a priority. Years ago, working in the jewelry business in California, I worked with a girl that was a beautiful Christian girl. She loved the Lord, and she was dating a guy. And after a time, she decided, I want to marry this guy. He seemed to be very content, very happy with where their relationship was. So she went to him and asked him, Would you marry me? And he thought about it and he says, Okay, but here are the conditions. And he laid them out one or two nights a week, I get to go out with my buddies. This is non negotiable. You want to be with me? These are the rules. No complaining or anything. At least once a month, I get to take off for the weekend of the desert, go four-wheeling, doing whatever with my buddies. These are the rules. This is non-negotiable. I've seen guys that are like that. I used to try and tell her, Gina, he doesn't love you. He likes you. You're convenient. He likes having you there. But there are things that are more important. There were times that he treated her like dirt. And I used to grieve and I talked with her about it. And she says, well, my girlfriend's husband, he beats her. This guy doesn't beat me. So I guess it's not that bad. But that's not what God intended when he created the relationship between man and woman. He doesn't beat me. So it's not that bad. He had more of that planned, more than that in mind. And it's the same with, it's the same with our Lord. The Lord doesn't want to be treated like dirt by us. He doesn't want to be treated second best. He doesn't want to be number one. He wants to be the only one. Now, it doesn't mean I don't love my wife or I don't love my kids, but my love for the Lord should be such that nothing even comes close. He won't be treated as an afterthought. So, what must we do? According to this passage... If you want a relationship with the Lord, you must live like you do. You must live a life that makes him feel like he's welcome. He must be important. He must be a priority. In verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keep, like you mean put them in a box or nail them on the wall? No, 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 no. The word, the way he's using it, means to watch or to guard or to obey. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't mean that there's a set of rules and you walk around with a paper, or something, make sure you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's. That's not what it's talking about. About the best illustration that I could think of would be if you thought about somebody that's on a restricted diet. Maybe they're a diabetic. Or maybe they're trying to lose weight. Sometimes... Uh, People that I know sometimes will be a lady that's on a diet, and I'll say, hey, I got an extra donut. Would you like one? And I'm just trying to give her a hard time. She'll go, no, 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 I'm on a diet. Okay. I've had friends. I'll say, hey, we're having this. Would you like some? say, no, no, I can't eat that. I'm a diabetic. They're not fanatical about it. They live their life. They enjoy life. But they just watch what they eat. They're careful about it. When I was young, I used to eat whatever I wanted. When I got older, you can't do that. So I'm careful. I watch what I eat. That's what he's talking about. It's the same way with the Lord. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Watch, guard, obey. Watch those things. Be careful what you do. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you listen to. Because you love the Lord. Have you ever noticed that in life we get busy doing so many things and yet we always have time for the things that are important? Now there are going to be times when it was such a grueling day you didn't have time to spend in the Word. But if that's a regular thing something's wrong there. We find time for the things that are important. I don't care how busy I am. I find time to eat. I find time to sleep. I find time to do the things that are important. People say, oh, I love the Lord. The evidence of that comes in what I do. It's not that I'm trying to follow the rules. God forbid that if I were to say, oh, I'd love to cheat with this woman, but I'm married. I can't. My wife doesn't want that. She wants to be the number one woman in my life. There is no room for anybody else. My wife and I have talked. And I've known guys that their wife died and three months later they were married. And that's okay. I decided for me, if something ever happened to my wife, I'm never going to remarry. I'm never going to find anybody like her. I'm never going to be able to replace her. And so my thought is, why even try I'm grateful for what we have. And because I'm grateful, I watch what I do. Sometimes somebody flirts with you. I don't. I try to be careful. It's a byproduct of the love that I have for my wife. It's the same with the commandments of God. I try to obey those commands, not because I'm under a bunch of rules. It's a byproduct of the love that I have for him. In verse 21, He says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one that loves me. That is, when I obey, it's evidence of that love. Now, in the book of James, James said to be doers of the word, not hearers only. What he meant was just because you hear the word, that's not it, that's not enough. That's like if you were starving. And uh, maybe you're a homeless person and you haven't eaten in a day or two. And there's a restaurant. Somebody's giving you some money and you go to the restaurant. You walk in and you, oh, that food smells so good. And then you leave. That doesn't do you any good. You've got to apply it. You've got to eat that food. And James says, you hear the word of God. That's not enough. That's like smelling the food and then leaving. It's only of value as it's applied to our lives. When we hear the word and we think, I'm good, James says, you're actually deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself because it's not doing you any good. He says, you've got to be a doer of the word. Back in the time of Jesus, some of the people that he struggled with the most were the religious leaders. And there was a class of people that were known as the scribes. Some of those people had actually memorized the books of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. More than one, there were testimonies in history about these guys that had memorized the first five books of the Bible. That's pretty heavy duty. And yet they were lost. Jesus told them, you search the scriptures because you think they're going to give you life, but they point to me. They knew it all up here. Jesus told the Pharaoh, or told his followers, he said the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. They had it all here. The teaching was great. But it didn't go any deeper than that. As far as the heart, there was nothing there. Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So, it's an evidence of our love. It's a byproduct. What happens if you don't keep his word? He says in verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. What's he saying there? John in the book of First John puts it like this. He says if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. What is fellowship? That close relationship. Oh, I love Jesus. It's like a guy that, God forbid, that's like some animal that slaps around his wife. And then he sees her and he goes, oh, we love each other. We got a great relationship. She looks at him and she says, yeah, tell me about this great relationship. He's lying. And oftentimes when we go, oh, I love the Lord. We have a close walk. And it's not real. God knows it's not real. And more often than not, the people around you know it's not real. Who are you lying to? Lying to me. I'm lying to myself. I'm good. Things are great. The Lord loves me. I walk in the Spirit. And it says you're lying because it's not true. So what is he saying If you want to have a relationship with the Lord, you must live like you do. Now, he's not talking about salvation here. We come to know Jesus, recognizing that we're sinners, recognizing that he died in our place to pay the price. We accept the offer of forgiveness. The Holy Spirit comes inside to live. He's talking about more than that. That's a start. It doesn't end there. Many times we think, that's it. Gave my heart to Jesus, I can do whatever I want, live my life, one day I'll go to heaven to be with them. Let me let you in on a secret. Eternity does not start when you die. Eternity starts the day you give your life to Jesus. I was born in this world, I was born in this culture, I had values, there were things that I liked, there were things that I didn't like. The more I draw closer to the Lord, the more I learn about the culture of heaven. The more he changes me. The scripture talks about in Romans, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A friend of mine, somebody told him, oh, you're just brainwashed. And He says, that's good because I could use a brainwasher. He said, my brain was so full of dirt and bad stuff. He says, I'm glad for that. You know, you can take somebody from Huntley, Illinois, Born and raised here in this culture. Then you can go to Australia and take somebody that was born in the outback, an Aborigine, cultures as different as night and day, both lost, both come to know Jesus. And as they both grow in the Lord and learn to think as God does, their values become similar. As they grow closer to the Lord, their values become similar because we exchange our values and our beliefs for the values and beliefs of heaven. It's not going to be finished in this life, but it's got a good start here. It starts the day you give your life to Jesus. So we've got to want that relationship with him. We need to live like we do in such a way that the Father feels welcome in our heart and our life. And if we do, what's then? When I live my life like God is a priority to me, what then? The Lord responds by giving us His presence in our lives in a very, very special way. In a very special way, He reveals Himself to us. Jesus said, I will manifest myself to you. We'll look at that in a moment, what He's talking about. There are actually three ways. That he gives us his presence. Three ways by which that he chooses to reveal himself in our lives. The first is by the Holy Spirit. He was talking to the believers, to the apostles, and about the Holy Spirit. He said, he's with you, but he'll be in you. The day I gave my heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in me forever When I showed you the picture earlier of my daughter and my son-in-law, my son-in-law was dating her, and he called me up and asked for permission to ask her to marry him. He gave her a ring. Later, they bought a home. The seller and the real estate agent want a down payment. Earnest money is what it's called. It shows that you're serious. I've never seen Jesus. I've never been to heaven. How do I know it's true? The Father wanted you and I to know He's serious. So He gave us the Holy Spirit. That's the engagement ring. That's the down payment to show that He's serious. So Jesus said, He'll be in us. And then in verse 16, He says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That last part, he says, in verse 16, the second half, he says, that he'll be with us forever. That's a long time. That means no matter where I go, the Holy Spirit is with me. Now, there's also the reverse side of that. Also, if I go places that I shouldn't, I'm taking the Holy Spirit with me. If I'm looking at things that I shouldn't, I've got the Holy Spirit right there with me. As a young Christian, 15 years old, I was talking with some friends about a movie. It was an off-color movie. And a man that I really respected, a guy in his mid-20s, really loved Jesus. And he says, I don't know, guys. He says, I wouldn't want to take Jesus there. And it was like a bucket of cold water in my face. You mean wherever I go, Jesus is there? He says, I wouldn't want to take Jesus there. So the first way that he reveals himself to us in a very special way, the first way that he gives his presence is through the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 18 and verse 19, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. He says, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. Another way that that could be translated is like if he's saying, I'm not going to send you away as orphans. Now, if you think about it, up to this point, for a little over three years, he's got the apostles with them, he's got the disciples he's been right there you can walk up and tap him on the shoulder hey jesus i got a question if you're down you can go to him and he can talk with you he was there physically just like i'm here physically with you and they got really used to that i think that would be totally awesome but that was going to change and he's trying to prepare them for that change In their mind, they're thinking, we're going to Jerusalem. He's going to kick the Romans out, set up the kingdom of God. This is going to be great. And he knows in a short time, they're going to be shattered by the most horrible thing that could ever happen to them. He's going to be crucified. They're not expecting that. He's been trying to tell them, but it doesn't fit in their mind, their perspective of what they thought was supposed to happen. And he tells him, I'm not going to send you away like you're an orphan. Picture a child that comes from a nice home. Father and mother love him. One day they give him a ride to school. They drop him off. And on the way home, they die in a car accident. Everything in his life has changed. The home that he knew, the life that he had, is over. It's gone. An orphan is an outsider. They generally, they don't belong. They put them in a place where other orphans live. Maybe they live in a dormitory. Things are totally, totally different. Parents don't communicate with orphans. It's not their kid. You don't walk up to an orphan and tell them your private business and the things that's going on. Those are family things. Jesus is telling them, when I leave... Our relationship is going to be different because I won't be physically present with you. But you won't be like a child whose parents have died. I'm going to be with you and I will reveal myself to you. In the passage, he said, I will manifest myself to you. He said, You will see me, you'll perceive me. I see things going on in the world and people say, That's so horrible. Or they're saying, Wow, what happened over there? And I look at those things and I see God working. I see the Lord present. We've had some tough times as a nation the last few months. I'm not going to get into that at all. I'm not going to get into the political side. Suffice it to say, there have been persecution in this country against believers. And everybody pretty much seems to think, godly men and women, say, you know what? I think it's going to get worse. Somebody posted on Facebook this last week. We survived Nero. And we'll survive anything that's going to happen here. Nero, the Roman Caesar, he persecuted Christians with a passion. He would crucify Christians, and when they're on the cross, he'd wrap oil, have his men wrap oil cloths around them. Then he'd light them on fire to provide light for his garden parties. And if you went to the party and you weren't enthusiastic enough about these Christians dying, it got really bad. And so the people going to say, hey, could you get me some Christians so I could have a party too? At the very least, people said, I'm a believer. They lost their job. They lost their home. There was a man that I was reading about a few weeks back, very wealthy man, very much respected in his community, And they were arresting Christians, and when this man spoke, people respected him, and they listened. So he went to the judge, and he said, look, what you're doing with these Christians is wrong. And the judge looked at him and said, are you a Christian? And he said, yes, I am. And the judge says, arrest him. And he was accused, or he was actually executed along with everyone else. I'm not saying it's going to get that bad here. But regardless of what happens, believers, men, and women of God throughout the ages have seen difficult times, and the Lord has always been with them. The Lord has always seen them through. There's a book that I like to read about um, a woman that was in a Nazi concentration camp. She wasn't just saying, oh, there are a bunch of Nazis. She was there the first day her father was killed. Or he actually, he died the first day. Her nephew was killed. She and her sister, she was an old woman. And they lived there in this concentration camp. And years later, she said, there is no pit or hole that you can fall into that is so dark that the Lord won't be there with you. She's not just talking about nice religious ideas. She's talking about something that she lived. Her sister was dying. And she looked at all the misery and the horror of the women, what they were going through. And her sister would stand outside, lean against the wall of the barracks, and look at the clouds. And she says, aren't they beautiful? Isn't God good? And she's thinking, what do you mean, isn't God good? You know, look what we're going through. And her sister used to say, we have to thank God for everything. And they had horrible lice in the barracks. And she goes, even the lice? And she's scratching. And she says, yes, even the lice. She found out you weren't allowed to have Bible studies, but they had Bible studies in the barracks because the guards didn't want to go in there. Her sister was delirious. She was dying. And her sister told her, the Lord has told me. By January, we're going to be free. She thought it was just delirium. January came. Her sister was dead. And one day, the guards came into the barracks. They grabbed her. They unceremoniously escorted her to the gate. They opened the gate, and they threw her out. And they locked the gate. 20,000 women died. In that place, only one was ever released. And that was her. She found out years later it was a clerical error. She was supposed to die, but God had other plans. So when this lady, actually, I was blessed, years later, she went to our church. She used to attend the church that I went to as a teenager. And when she said, there is no hole, there is no darkness that is so dark that the Lord isn't there with you, that he won't bring you out, she spoke from experience. So we see he promises the Holy Spirit will be in us. Then he promises that Jesus will be with us. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you in a special way. They won't see me, but you'll be aware of me. I'll reveal myself to you. I'll manifest myself to you. And then he says something really special. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, verse 23. Jesus answered him. Now, this is where that other Judas, he said, Lord, how are you going to reveal yourself to us and not to everybody else? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Talk about a happy home. He isn't talking about salvation here. It's talking about a relationship after salvation. He says, if anyone loves me and keeps my word, my father will love him, and we're going to come to make our home with him. What does that mean? That means whether you live in the richest, most expensive mansion ever, or you're homeless, you're on the street, Jesus and the Father will live with you. He promises to live with me in a special way. I'm blessed, the Lord has given us a beautiful home. I know what it's like to be homeless, I've been homeless. And yet Jesus promised never to leave me. I would like to stand here and tell you, I gave my heart to Christ when I was 15 and I was so good since then. But that wouldn't be true. I'd like to say I was always faithful. That wouldn't be true. But I can tell you with a certainty, God is faithful. And he promised never to leave me. And he didn't. Some people say, well, you can leave him. So if the Lord's standing here now, I've had it and I leave. See, you left him. But it isn't like that. It's like you say, I've had it and I leave. And you walk off and you stop and there he is. What are you doing here? And he says, I promised I'd never leave you. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. In a special way. So what have we seen? We've seen the kind of relationship that is possible. We've seen that we must order our lives. That shows that we want his presence in our lives. And then we've seen if we do those things. We will experience the presence of God in our lives. In a very real a very special way. It's not just make-believe. It's not something you psych yourself up for. It's real. Men and women since the beginning of time have told testimonies about what it was like. And then, in verse 23, he says, wherever you go, Jesus and the Father will be with you. Wherever you live, they'll be there with you. He promises that. When you look at these awesome promises, you think, what could stop us? But it boils down to this. What's important to you? What do you want? I used to feel, I I, want to hear the Lord so much, never talks to me. Surprisingly enough, the Lord showed me something. I get up, eat breakfast, run to work. I'm focused on the job. I'm talking to the people there. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Time to get off. I jump in the car. I turn on the radio, catching up on the news, listening to a Christian program, uh, listening to music. I get home. Hi, honey, how you doing? How was your day? We talk about the day. The TV goes on. And then after a bit, time to go to bed. Gee, I wanted to spend time in the Word today, but, or tonight, before I went to bed. But it's so late, and I've got to get up early tomorrow. Light goes off, alarm is set, and I go to sleep. And God never talks to me. I wonder why. I had a pastor friend that on his planner every day, he would schedule time. Somebody says, I can come by at 11. He goes, I've got an appointment. Guess who that appointment was with? What is important to you? What do you want? How much of Jesus can you have? The answer is, as much as you want. As much as you're able. What can stop us? I don't have to look at you. All I have to do is look at me. What can stop me? What can stop me from drawing close to the Lord and from experiencing all God has? What can do that? Me. The devil's not going to stop me. He's a defeated enemy. The Lord's not going to stop me. He's on my side. He sent his son to die for me so I could have that relationship. What can stop me? Me. Most of the time, the people of God miss the blessings of God, not because they're horrible sinners. It's because we're so busy. A while back, I was seeking the Lord. There are things I enjoy in life. I love to read, I read the scriptures, I read stuff about it, but I love on a variety of other subjects, I love to read. I have hobbies that I enjoy, things that are important to me. And in seeking the Lord, the Spirit spoke to me and said, if you want more, it's like, it's like a box that only has so much room. Your box is full. And I'm looking through, there's not a lot of bad stuff in here, really. My box isn't full of bad stuff, it's full of good stuff. Good stuff. I read this last week about a man of God, mightily used of God, a great man of God. Years ago, he did something that was really radical. In prayer, he decided, Lord, I'm going to sell my TV. And instead of spending time watching TV, I'm going to spend time with you. Now, if you own a TV, we've got a TV. Love my TV. Videos, enjoy them. Doesn't mean if you have a TV, you don't love the Lord. And that man wasn't saying that. But in his heart, he wanted the Lord to be number one. The thing the Lord always seems to be telling my wife and I, we spend too much time watching TV. We watch, if there's a TV series we like, we buy it. We're just going to watch one tonight, and that's it. And it's over, so let's watch another one. And it's over and said, you know what? It's only 9 o'clock. We don't have to be in bed till 10 o'clock. Let's watch another one. And then we get in bed and say, gee, we wanted to spend time in the Word. But it's too late. we got to get up early. Do better tomorrow. What could stop me from that? That walk with the Lord? How come most of God's children live like they're in poverty? Because of me. Jesus, before he was crucified, he's on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. And he cried out with tears running down his face. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And look at the last words. You were not willing. God loves you. You enter into a relationship by choice. And after you give your heart to him, he is not going to kick your door open and start smashing down with a fist and saying, this is it. If he's not welcome, don't expect him to manifest himself. The question that I have to ask me, I'm not asking you, I ask me, what do I want? I always have time for the things that are important. What's important to me? Do you experience the presence of the Lord? If not, maybe you should ask, why? After all he has done to make it possible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this message is for me just as much as anybody here. And if anything, I'm more guilty because I've experienced your presence so much. And yet, how often do I put you on a back burner to do what I enjoy or what I want? Teach us to love you, Lord. As I look in my heart and in my life, there's a desire, but oftentimes I don't do what I want to do spiritually. What is right, oftentimes I... And make other decisions. Lord, teach us to love you in a way that would be pleasing to you. Lord, we want you to be welcome in our hearts and in our lives. Teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Happy Valentine's Day.